Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we've got a special one for you today. This is something that, again, as we've talked with you all about, we are all about tennis. We are all about talking about the players, coaches, and also those things that surround the game of tennis. And this particular interview, we're going to be talking with someone that really, really provides a lot of um, I guess, uh, perspective and, and, and opportunity, if you will, for the sport of tennis for our youth. And Bryce, I know that we, we kind of got reference to this particular individual, and I am particularly excited about talking with her about her foundation and really the things that, uh, that she's doing. So I'll pass it to you to kind of frame it up, my friend. All right. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, today, as our guest, we have Linda Milan. She is the executive director and grants manager of the Southern California Tennis Association Foundation. Um, if you've not heard of this foundation before, they really are the charitable arm of the USTA uh, Southern California. Uh, they've been around for a while and they are looking to really get their names out there and to become even more involved in helping the youth of Southern California be involved in the sport of tennis. And you know, that's absolutely something that we love. But we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna allow Linda talk, to talk to you about that today. So without any further ado, um, good morning, Linda Milan. Welcome to Brothers on Tennis. Thank you, Isaac and Bryce. I'm really thrilled to be here. That Excellent. is, yes. So just, Linda, let's assume that our audience knows absolutely nothing about you and what your organization does. Um, let's go ahead and bring them up to speed. Sure. We've been around for a number of years and we're in the business of helping kids and adults and organizations in the tennis world both make it accessible to everyone and inspire kids to do great things in their lives, not just in tennis. Um, we have innovative programs and projects that we fund. We have student grants that we, for competitive grants, um, that we, we call it, we, we, excuse me, we actually call it the Kramer Future Champions Grant after Bob Kramer. I'm sorry, after Jack Kramer, Bob's his, his son, and sorry about that. Um, Bob's his son, and um, he has funded this um, grant program for kids because we want them to be competitive. We want to give underserved kids an opportunity to have a, have a playing field that they're on par with anyone that can afford to go out and play tournament after tournament. And that's a lot of things that we do. That is wonderful. And, and, and Linda, I know that you all were founded in, was it 1986, right? Correct. Right. I, I tell you, one of the things that I really, really enjoy when we enjoyed when uh, we were kind of looking and, 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 and uh, doing our research was the one thing that you mentioned about your mantra as far as diversity, availability and accessibility. I just think that that is that speaks volumes as it relates to the sport of tennis, because, again, tennis is a sport that allows for complete diversity um, across the board, whether it be race, gender. Uh, anything, disability, I think that there's so many things that 
um, that this sport represents. And it's just great to see and or hear that that's your mantra. Talk, talk to us or talk to the listeners really about kind of how, how that came about as far as how you chose that as your mantra and, and what are some of the things that you see your yourselves doing as it relates to kind of, you know, allowing for diversity and availability of this great sport? Well, the foundation has always been looking to help kids in all different aspects of tennis, as well as education. Um, education and sportsmanship are big in our book, um, and they go hand in hand with tennis. And as you know, um, probably from your research, that kids that play tennis are more well-rounded. They do better in school. Many of them get college scholarships into colleges that they had no idea that they could even get in. Um, but they're offered this opportunity by playing tennis. Um, sportsmanship is a big area that we're also, um, we promote because that brings out character in kids. It shows them what it means to be honest and ethical. Um, and there's rewards for that. Um, many times we get some complaints that kids or people are being cheated, but in the end, the cheaters are the ones that are losing because their reputation begins with cheating in tennis and it follows them for a long, a long time. Um, so that's one of the things we look at and we really promote. Um, we're also looking for things to be accessible. And really there's a difference in something that happened a few years ago when I was at a seminar. Um, we talked about equality and someone said, well, a tennis court is there. Anybody can go on it, so it's equal access but not necessarily because there's equity involved. And that's been big for me because what do we need to do to go above and beyond to make tennis equitable? It's not just saying here's a tennis court and here's a racket. It's maybe offering coaching. It's maybe offering a little more on the education side to make the person well-rounded. And it's amazing when kids play tennis, they use different things that they learn in school. You know, someone said, wow, I'm doing better in geometry. And they realized that because they were hitting angles on the tennis court, and that was kind of like a, a learning process that they didn't realize until they got into the classroom and everything kind of came together. So we, we look to do that. We want to inspire kids to greatness. A couple of things we do support is the girls 16 and 18's national tournament. And that's really an inspiration for many of the local kids in Southern California because um, these are high profile, highly trained athletes coming down to play of all ethnicities. Um, and they go on to play in the US Open. They go on to college. And so bringing kids in to watch that and to see what tennis can do for them is very inspiring. And that's very um, impactful. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna impact as many kids that, as we can. So Linda, can you connect some dots for me? So. In, your in the name of this, this organization, it's the Southern California Tennis Association Foundation. We know that it's associated with the USTA. Mm -hmm. um, are there kind of associated foundations for the different regions of the country? Uh, or is this something that's very unique to just Southern California? It's not unique to Southern California. Um, the USTA has 17 different sections across the country, including the Caribbean. However, um, not all of them have foundations and not all of them have active foundations. 
Um, so we are, I think, um, one of the few that are really um, decently funded so that we can go out and above and beyond and bring tennis to, to the masses. Uh, we also support a lot of programs that the USTA SoCal um, runs, especially in the community department. Um, so we've been partners with the Black History Month, Hispa Hispanic Heritage Month, and various things like that. Um, and we have a, an association now with the um, ATA. Um, we're working with the National ATA, Robert Foster, to bring um, tennis to the African-American community in specific and help grow that organization. Can you speak more on, on that particular point? I mean, given the fact that we are in February and we're talking about uh, Black history, um, right. what in detail are you doing as far as with that? And, and, and as far as the ATA and the Robert Foster, what, is there anything specific items that you're, you're executing with them, Linda? Yeah, well, um, things, things that were supposed to happen in February have been put off because of COVID, unfortunately, but they, they've just been postponed. They haven't been canceled. Um, every year, the ATA has a national event that we sponsor kids and adults to go play. And usually it's in the East Coast, either in the Southeast or in Florida. Um, and then the ATA locally has a tournament um, in Southern California in the summer that we have also helped sponsor in the past. Um, I assume that with COVID, way, you know, weaning down, that they'll pick it back up in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, but with Robert Foster in particular, he's moved out here from the East Coast, and he's a member of the board for the national organization. Um, so we're partnering with him and the USTA SoCal to bring Katrina Adams out to speak to the kids. Um, Katrina has a, um, a book that she has written, but as you probably know, she was the She's the former uh, president of the USTA. She had two terms as that. Um, she was a, is the executive director of an NJTL um, in New York uh, and has a lot of good points and good information for kids and is an inspiration to them. She grew up in an NJTL. I believe in, I'm gonna believe it was Chicago, but it, or it could have been Philadelphia, but I'm not sure, but that's her background. So here's an inspiration. So we wanna bring her out here to talk to the kids um, and have them interact with her and, and use that as another inspirational moment for them. Yeah, we, we love to hear that. That, that, is, that is awesome. So what, let's say I'm a parent here in Southern California that has um, uh, a child that is, you know, playing tennis, uh, but really could take advantage of the type of programs and opportunities that your organization offers. How would they become aware of that or who would they contact or, or where would they go to find out more information? We do, we promote ourselves a number of ways. Um, one of them is through the USTA SoCal's um, social media platforms. Uh, direct messaging and to the parents of junior players. Um, our website, the SCTA Foundation has our own social media that we promote. And also we specifically email the directors of all community tennis organizations to let them know when scholarships are available for kids. And we have the Kramer scholarship that's available three times a year. Um, right now in February, June and October. Um, we also have a summer camp scholarship 
and we were doing a promotion and fundraiser called Camps for Kids. Our vision, which is somewhat short-term because I'm very impatient about all of this, um, <laughs> is to raise enough money so that we can send at least 250 kids during the summer to summer camp. Um, right now, we, we've been sending about 15 to 20. So it's a big ask and a big push. But I, I think of nothing better than knowing that in the months of July and August, 250 kids around the section, and we go from San Luis Obispo down to San Diego and, and east you know, to the, the border, um, that they'll all be out there playing tennis and that we'll be sponsoring them. And for many, it'll be the first time they've picked up a racket. And so this is a great way to introduce the sport in the summer where kids aren't in school, they're very mm -hmm. relaxed, they can really get into it. And so we, it's a variety of ways, but you're right, it's still a push because not everyone knows um, that we're out there. And so that we, we, keep, we keep at it because we know eventually it'll be common, will be a common name in households. Absolutely. And, and Linda, I just have a, a specific question on what you just mentioned as far as the summer camp goes, because this may be telling my age, but I didn't really get involved in summer camps as growing up. So when you say there's a kid's summer camp and you'd be going from San Luis Obispo down to San Diego, frame that up for me. What does, what does that look like for the kids? And I know you were saying it's going to be you're trying to get to 250 kids, but I'm just interested. What would that look like as far as how you go to certain facilities and, and allow the kids to play? And, and yeah, just, just sure. curious. Well, right now, um, the way we operate is that a parent will apply for a summer camp scholarship and we will, and it's all based on need um, and there's a whole list of criteria, but it's an automated system. They, they, they apply a grant committee that I'm the head of looks at them all and then makes a, makes a um, decision on who to fund, where to fund it. Um, summer camps are all over the, all over the section, all over the country. Um, they run in weekly cycles, most of them. And they range from about $300 to $1,000, depending on the type of camp you go to. Um, so what we've done in the past is we've taken the applications from parents and then we funded the kids. So what we wanna do now, because we're very aware of various camps all over the section, is have the funding to go to camps and say that, for example, Bryce, we have, we have $5,000 to help underserved kids in your area go to summer camp and work with you directly to identify the kids and the families. Um, and it could be one person, there could be you know, a brother and sister or two brothers, because that happens sometimes. Um, and then have them go to tennis camp. And they're very competitively priced because once we did a festival and we were told that our, our tennis camps are about 50% cheaper than sending the kids to baseball camp. So we know we're in the ballpark and we know the kids will love it. And it's all about hand-eye coordination and, and getting the kids moving on court. So, that, you know, and this, this is crazy because, you know, Isaac and I are both here in Southern California and we, we kind of consider ourselves somewhat up on what happens <laughs> with tennis. And, and this is just great information because I, you know, even between the two of us, we were talking before this interview, we didn't even know that this existed. 
Mm-hmm. And and this is this is definitely something that we should be promoting and pushing forward. Um, so I wanted to take a moment and talk just a little bit about you know your role. So you are the executive director and grants manager. So if you can kind of tell us, you know, what do you do uh, for the organization from like a day to day type standpoint, and What's your personal background history with tennis? Did you come up playing? Did you play juniors? You know, what, what did that look like for you? So I'll start off with my tennis background, which I started playing when I was uh, living in the Midwest. I think I might've been like nine and I learned in a park in Ohio. Uh, oh, what part of Ohio? In Dayton. Hey, oh my. I, I was raised in Cincinnati. There you go. <laughs> it's a small world. And here we are both, Orange County and San Diego. Um, kind of like, yeah, Cincinnati and Dayton. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I learned I've always been a sports person. My dad taught me to play um, baseball and golf and tennis. I learned in the park. They were, my parents were not tennis players. Um, so my sister and I would go off to the park and it was kind of like, probably a summer camp situation, but not necessarily how, how defined it is today. Um, and I always liked the sport and I was in and out of it. I played in high school. I played in a small high school in the East Coast. And, you know, it wasn't really what high school tennis is today. Um, and then I, uh, I dropped the sport for a while and played recreationally. And then um, my previous career was with AT&T and I met some some friends there that played tennis and that's where my tennis career really, really began to be really dominate what I did. Uh, Played tennis four or five times a week, went to tennis camps as an adult, uh, played a few tournaments, um, then became moved to California, became, you know, inundated with tennis because of the great weather out here. Um, And then joined a club. And once again, I continued to play for a long time. And now I play occasionally, but I'm not I'm not the tennis player or the fanatic that I used to because I really get more joy now of helping others learn the sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. And, and how did that transition go for you, Linda? So I'm assuming when you came out to California and to LA, were you with this foundation or how, how, did, how did that whole transition occur? No, I was actually with AT&T. AT&T. And then- yeah, and then um, I left them, um, and I took some time off, and mm-hmm. um, then I decided I needed to. I wanted to get back into the field, but did not want to go back into communications. Want, wanted something that would be what I thought would be more fun, and what would be more fun than playing ten than being in the tennis world. So yes. I became a member of the uh, USTA SoCal and ran a bunch of different programs. Um, for them in the mostly in the adult space. Um, I was the executive director of the section for about 18 months before I transitioned to the foundation. So now as the executive director of the foundation, I really am involved in the day-to-day running of the organization, Um, grants, scholarships. Um, I I speak occasionally to different organizations um, I run, um, we do found it, we do grants, you know, we need money. So we also apply for grants. So I give them out as well as, as, re, you know, work on receiving them. Um, and I work very closely with the USTA SoCal junior and community departments to define 
worthy programs and worthy participants um, and recipients of our, our funding to help grow the sport. Wonderful. Okay. Now, a question that I had was, now, do you do anything kind of outside of Southern California with like the big U.S. events? So do you do anything with the U.S. Open or with Indian Wells or the Western Southern in Cincinnati or Miami? No, we do. We really mostly just do Southern California. I mean, we don't do any funding or we don't really have any real ties to different sections foundations. We do coordinate and we're doing more with the USTA Foundation um, that oversees all of the USTA nationally, national programming and fundraising. Um, so we've started doing that. It's in its infant stage right now. Um, but really, um, other than sometimes we support kids going to the BNP, but at the present time, we'd have, we have no real association with them um, on an official basis. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and really just a question that I have, which is, is kind of out there a little bit, but, but Linda, I'm curious to when you came to LA, because were you here when LA actually had uh, the tournaments at UCLA? We had a couple of, uh, Bob, in fact, Bob uh, Kramer was, uh, mm -hmm. I think the tournament director of the, the one at UCLA. And then we also had the ladies event that was in, uh, um, I can't remember where it was. In, yeah, it was in Manhattan Beach initially, and then it moved to Carson uh, for a few years. Were you involved with either of those initiatives or tournaments? Well, I was involved with the one at UCLA with Bob Kramer. Okay. Um, I was, the last year that it was held was 2012. Mm -hmm. So for about seven years, I was involved with that, which was an incredible tournament. And yes. Uh, you know, we were sorry to see it go, but it had run its course. Um, was never involved with the women's tournament, although I did go to the Manhattan Beach location several times to the country club and watch them. Um, but that, that's, about, that's about my association with that, that tournament. But you never know, um, now that things are shifting in the uh, women's tennis space, you know, maybe we'll see another tournament, you know, crop up in Southern California. Yeah, I'm wondering if I didn't have to, if I didn't prop potentially meet you back in that day. I actually volunteered for transportation for the tournament in UCLA for about four or five years. Well, there, you know what? There's a good chance I was working player services, but I dealt with the transportation uh, department and pe people a lot because, man, players needed transportation. And, you know, that was always yeah. a high point for them because the quality of the transportation that was provided in that tournament was outstanding. It was Terry um, Flores, I think, or I forget Terry's last name, but yeah. You know, one of the things that we did to inspire this year is, is help sponsor the San Diego Open, uh -huh. which is the first time it's been, we had an ATP tour in San Diego. Um, so we brought a lot of kids down from both um, the NJTLs and community organizations. Um, a few of them got to hit with players, got to speak with the players. Um, and um, they actually had a college student from USD um, as one of the participants, and he did quite well. So there was a lot of a lot of action and a lot of um, excitement down here this past fall. So is that tournament going? To, I didn't know if that was kind of like a, a one year deal with that tournament, or if it's going to be 
an annual event? It, it was one year um, because of canceled tournaments elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, it was right before the, the, the BNP, which, you know, moved from March to October. So there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people here and there were a lot of enthusiasm. They are working on figuring out how we can get another tournament. I hope so, because it just seems like, and as Isaac was mentioning, not even just in Southern California, but, you know, I'm thinking the Acura tournament that we, that uh, I think that mm -hmm. used to be in San Diego mm -hmm. and then the uh, Bank of the West and all the, it seemed like California used to have a lot of professional tournaments and basically now outside of BNP, you know, and maybe World Team Tennis. Right. Um, I don't really know of any pro level tournaments in California anymore. No, you're correct. Most of them have gone by the wayside. So we're hoping we can get something, whether it's a men or a women's event or maybe one of each down here in San Diego, because the community here will certainly support it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. absolutely. I know you and mentioned the NJTL a couple of times, mm -hmm. and, and we've been very fortunate to work with a couple of the programs that are in there, like you mentioned, the, the Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. Um, we were able to do something with City Taste of Tennis uh, within this past summer, which was great and, and, and got an opportunity to, to work with them. And then as you know, we worked with the Pete Brown Junior Tennis Program uh, here in, in Los Angeles. Um, so with the NJTL programs, how many different ones across, well, we can either talk about nationwide or just the Southern California, are there out there? Nationwide, it's a stretch. I'd be really guessing and then probably would give it too low of the number. In, Cal in Southern California right now, we have about 25, I believe, that qualify as an NJTL, which means for the, for the listeners, it's not just tennis, it's tennis and education. Uh -huh. um, so that, that's a big component, the education part for NJTLs. Um, and, they, and they are also supported not only by us, but by the National USTA Foundation. So we're working on you know, increasing that and expanding it because we want the kids to have a well-rounded experience, not just go and hit tennis balls. Um, but nationwide, I'm gonna say they must have between three and 400 organizations. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a, that is incredible. So, and, and for another thing, just I wanna mention for our listeners in case they don't know, you know, the whole National Junior Tennis and Learning uh, Program was started, I believe, in 1969. Um, it was co-founded by Arthur Ashe, Charlie Passarell, and Sheridan Snyder. And, um, you know, as you talk about legacy programs that have been around for a significant amount of time, uh, this has to be right up there as it relates to youth and tennis and education. Absolutely. And it's, it's in our... It's in our DNA here because Charlie Passarello is actually a member of our foundation board. Oh, that, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, Char and yeah, Charlie's a great, great guy. And um, he's always looking out for the kids and um, we'll be, you know, he works hard for our foundation to um, spread the word and, you know, make sure that everyone's, you know, being recognized. 
Right. And, and Linda, as far as your kind of, of course, you have a board, you actually even have an advisory board and an honorary board. It, as far as the structure for yourself, you are the executive director and grants manager. Are there others or is there an organization that you specifically have that kind of goes through, like you were saying, goes through the forms, goes through the grants, determines who 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 is approved, so on and so forth? What is what does that look like? Well, right now, I do most of it. I do not do our I do not do our social media and I do not do our website. I, I um, direct the people that we have working on those to what to do. Um, and we have a lot of conversations and collaborations about how our approach. Um, but for the most part, um, we're looking to actually uh, expand from just me doing all of what you just said to, mm-hmm. um, to get somebody that really take over part of the grants process, because as you can imagine, our grant process isn't just, okay, I'm gonna apply for a grant and get it approved and get it, get some money and go play tennis. It's also following through with the, um, the kids because there's mostly kids that receive them as far as the quantity. Um, we ask that they give, keep us updated as to how they're, pro- how they're progressing um, maybe send a video, send a photo. Um, and so we want to be pretty much hands-on for most of them because we feel that this is what what makes it appro- what makes it important is to have not only give somebody some money to go play tennis or tournaments or coaching, but then take an interest and in, and in also give them some encouragement. And so that's what we do. So we're looking to expand our our little group um, nice. in 2022 so that we can be more impactful. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, the SCTA and Linda Milan will be looking for a, a, a grants manager and a person. So if you're interested, reach out. <laughs> Definitely reach out. Definitely reach out. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out, just speaking of grants, is something that we just initiated um, in 2022 is that um, as I said, we want to be as impactful as we can. And so we're identifying um, young players that have a lot of promise, but maybe not the means to be able to play a lot of high level tournaments because they're not inexpensive. You know, a tournament right. entry fee can be a hundred dollars. Right. It could be in Arizona, which means travel and hotel and food. Um, right. So working, I work with the junior competitive department of the USTA SoCal. We identified two young players, one male, one female. And so we're now working with them and their parents as they plot out their tournament schedule and coaching schedule and expenses so that we can provide support throughout the year. So it's not just going to um, SCTAfoundation.org to scholarships and get a um, scholarship one time that you have to stretch. It's now these kids are high performers and they're, we're going to work with them over the over the years so that they can improve, which will lead them to hopefully great things, hopefully to a college scholarship for themselves to play tennis. And who knows, they could be the next, you know, young professional from Southern California. Right. So how do you identify those players? Is there like an application process or do you have like scouts that kind of look and help identify? It's kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of scouts. It's it, this is the pilot portion of it. You know, Mm -hmm. we've never done it this way before. Um, So looking over um, some of the 
um, applications we've had for the in the past for the Kramer Future Champions Scholarship, um, looking at tournaments, looking at sportsmanship results because the USTA SoCal does really uh, monitor sport, sportsmanship. Um, we came up with a couple of kids that we thought were um, very worthy of this type of a program and approached their parents and had a conference call and a Zoom call actually, so we could all meet you know, via Zoom and discuss what the program was and how serious they were about it. Um, and it's worked out. So um, one young man is, you know, he lost at the beginning of the winter nationals in Florida, but then he went to the consolation round and won that, you know? So it's, it's their determination and accountability all plays into it. So it's kind of like a brief um, view of, you know, the, the whole personality of the child and the parents. And, and so that's how we've started off. That is excellent. Linda, I wanted to actually ask you a, a question. And, and again, this is more Southern California and, and upcoming things. Um, as we all know, uh, LA was awarded uh, the location for the 2028 Summer Olympics. And one of the things that Bryce and I had heard was that they are thinking about building some type of a tennis, mega tennis complex, if you will. Um, in and around the SoFi Stadium slash LAX. Um, interested to know if you've heard about that, if there's any information that you have or will SCTA be, you know, uh, involved and or, or have anything, if you will, to do with that, that project? Yes, as a matter of fact, um, the USTA SoCal is very highly involved in that pro project. It's going to be right near LAX. Um, it's going to be a complex where the, the office, the offices now for use are at UCLA, they'll be moving to the, to this complex and, um, there'll be, I think around 32, maybe a few more courts there. So a lot of the, a lot of the programming and a lot of the tournaments will, re will relocate there just because the sheer, um, volume of tennis courts, um, we're looking forward to it. It's called Lulu's Place and the history on that, and it's on the website also on, there's probably a link on the USTA SoCal website, um, but it's Carol Kimmelman who unfortunately passed away of cancer a few years ago and was um, on the USC varsity team, became a teacher in South Central LA before she married her husband uh, and they moved to the East. Um, but she was highly involved with the USTA Foundation. And so the US, between the USTA Foundation, um, the Kimmelman family, and the USTA SoCal, it's a joint project to um, open this tennis center in her honor. Um, and it's turning out to be right there near LAX. Wow, that's fantastic. Everybody's very excited over the possibilities that can happen there. What's so what the time? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, What's you asked him a question. Yeah. <laughs> the time frame I can't give you, um, but I, I, I've heard um, that it's, it should be done. They haven't broken ground yet, but from what I understand, that's mo coming any time now. So probably within a couple of years, it'll be totally done. So this has just been a, a great conversation with you, Linda. I mean, I, hopefully, you know, our listeners are, are 
you know, they're able to get a lot of information right now that they probably have never heard of before. And, and we encourage everyone to, to go out to your website. What would be kind of like your, your final uh, pitch to our listeners um, for how they can, once again, find out more information or to get in contact with your organization? Sure. Um, we have our own website, which is SCTAfoundation.org. You'll see a lot of information that I spoke about today on there. Um, there are links to scholarships, links to grants, um, all kinds of information about the organization. Uh, my email is on there, but I'll just give it to you right now. It's just lmalan at SCTAfoundation.org. Anybody that listens to this can certainly call me or I'll give you my number in San Diego, but they can email me and I'll send them a link to a scholarship or they can just ask me any questions that they want and we can get involved. Um, or I can help them probably find a local program in their area like the Pete Brown Tennis Foundation, Junior Tennis Foundation at Harvard Park. We have them all over the, all over the section. So I could be a resource to help them there also. That is excellent, Linda. And, 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 and folks, definitely, definitely, like I said, treat this as something very important. I mean, this is our sport. We love the sport of tennis. And if we can get it out to our communities and to those that may not have, uh, have uh, been introduced to the sport, let's, let's definitely do our part. I think that's fantastic, Linda. Thank you so much for sharing. Is well, there welcome. any? Is there anything else just in general that you'd like to, to share with the, with the listeners as a, as, a, as a parting? Just that for those of you who, have, who haven't played or played a long time ago, remember that tennis first and foremost is fun and that's what it was meant to be, but it has so many other possibilities, both as adults for social outlet and kids for learning the sport, getting an education and just a very well-rounded um, lifetime. That is awesome. Well, you know what? I, I meant to mention this earlier in the interview. Robert Foster did let us know about the book signing uh, and the uh, Katrina Adams coming in. I think it's in April. It may be April the 24th is the date. So uh, I, I don't know if Isaac and I will both be able to be there. I, I think I'm going to try to be there. So if you're going to be there, Linda, it'd be a great opportunity to meet you. I was planning to be there when it was in February, but unfortunately, April 24th is another event that we're sponsoring that we're sponsoring up in Ojai. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the it's the 120th Ojai tennis tournament for kids, adults, and um, collegiates. So I'm committed to be up there, but our community director, um, Esther Hendershot, will be at the Katrina event. And if I can get down fast enough from Ojai, I'll be there, but Right now, it doesn't look promising. Okay. <laughs> you know what? We're, we're, we're only from San Diego to Orange County. That's yes. about an hour ride. So I think that maybe we should figure out a way to meet, you know, in spite of that. We will Absolutely. definitely do that. <laughs> All right, then. Well, thank you so much, Linda, for taking time to speak with us and our listeners today. And this was some very, very valuable information. And to our listeners, as always, we will continue to try to bring you information that you may not be aware of, but could be helpful to you and your families as we continue to stay involved in this game of tennis that we absolutely love. So uh, with that, Isaac, any final words? 
No, Bryce, I think this was a fantastic interview. Linda, thank you once again for giving us the time. Uh, we greatly appreciated talking with you today. Well, thank you guys. Really appreciate the help in getting the word out. All right. So on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy, Bryce. And this is your boy, Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Take care, everyone.